This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. You don't like the Drake. I hate the Drake. I love the Drake. How could you not like the Drake? Who's the Drake? Who's the Drake? The Drake is good. You like the Drake? I love the Drake. What about the Drake? Oh, screw the Drake. I love the Drake. This is Cam Bowen, voice of Tim Drake on Young Justice, and you're listening to Everyone Loves the Drake. Hi, this is James Tynan IV, and I love the Drake. This is George Perez at Cincinnati Comic Expo, and everybody likes the Drake, especially the cakes. Hi, this is Mark Wolfman, and everyone loves the Drake. Hi, this is Marcus Toe, artist for Red Robin. You've been listening to Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake podcast. Good for them. Love the Drake. Got to love the Drake. I'm impressed. What can I say? I'm irresistible. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. I'm your host, Rob Myers, and welcome to episode 116. This show is brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin, who is celebrating 80 years this year. We're also part of Batman on Films Batman Podcast Network. So between the BatmanUniverse.net, our primary host, and BatmanPodcastNetwork.com, you can find the show. Speaking of finding the show and other social media things, you can get a hold of us on Twitter at ELTD Podcast. We are on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Everyone Loves the Drake. We have an Instagram page, and you can email into the show. We will read those on air at Robin ELTD Podcast podcast at yahoo.com and we also have a new blog spot page that i'm titling the eltd network so you can find us at everyone loves the drake.blogspot.com because blogspot will also host everyone loves young justice so this gives me and terrence ryan and jay respectively the opportunity to put up other like essays or op-ed pieces or sometimes art or different things that we're talking about that, you know, since it's an audio medium, you can't see this will give you the opportunity to do that uh, just so we can write some more long form pieces or different things we might be saying or items we're referencing that we don't necessarily get the opportunity to do that on the feed for the podcast over at the batmanuniverse.net. So I thought this will work in tandem with it. So there'll be links to the actual episodes for the batmanuniverse.net, but then some extra content that 
you can read as well. So it'll be supporting the BatmanUniverse.net, but it'll also give you a little bit extra into the episodes and some things that we can post daily or weekly if, if we uh, so choose to do so. So I'm trying to get them to go up the day of release, but because of you know the four of us doing the two respective shows together, one of us may have an idea for a piece to say, hey, I'd like to write a little op-ed piece. So this gives a chance for uh, the four of us to do that if uh, we choose to do so, though. It'll help... uh hopefully enrich your podcasting listening experience. So uh, check out everyoneloveswithadrake.blogspot.com for our official website, if you will. So we are out of contagion. We have been released in the world. We have got Terrence and Ryan here, and I'm not just talking about the actual story we just covered. I'm also talking about getting a chance to go out and start doing things again and, you know, maybe still wearing your masks out there. But before we get into our topic today, where it's kind of back to the norm as far as Tim Drake is concerned, is that I got a chance to actually go to a comic book store and not do curbside or do anything like that, is actually walk in the front doors of a comic book shop, but having to wear a mask and as uh it texting terrence and ryan that uh felt like ah oh. ryan says oh you're probably more like bane <laughs> going in so it was a really surreal experience to be like in a comic it was one of those things like i got to wear a mask for work and that's just part of the norm but to other than going and picking up groceries this is the first thing that's you could categorized as frivolous. Like, I'm going to go to a comic book shop to help support the shops that are just now starting to reopen this week. I think most shops around my area opened up on Tuesday. So uh, being Saturday is the time we recorded, I wanted to go and support a a local shop. And uh, it was really interesting kind of seeing everybody in masks and getting, for those people that probably aren't used to probably having to wear masks. So it was really an interesting experience just to be in a comic book shop uh, wearing a mask. But I mentioned Terrence and Ryan's name. I'm getting things all out of order. Both Terrence and Ryan are here now. Terrence, I did know that you said you had went to a shop too today. What was your experience like just being being in a shop, doing something other than maybe picking up groceries for the first time in a while? Yeah. Hey, guys. It was kind of neat to be back in the old comic book store. The local, I say local, it's still like a half hour away from me, but the, the closest comic book store <laughs> <Ditto>. to me. <laughs> um, Ultimate Comics. <laughs> Ultimate Comics. They reopened with some uh, restrictions. You got to wash your hands as soon as you go in. And, oh, um, they have a sink? I guess, eh, that makes sense because you're thumbing through books and touching everything on the shelf. So they, they yeah. ask you to do that. And uh, they were doing a sale, buy two, get one free. So my wife was the one who was really like... Uh, we got to go. We got to go. We got to support the local business. You got to support your, your craft. So she really pushed me to go. Plus, there's a couple stores nearby. I think she wanted to go to that too. <laughs> there's a, a Tuesday morning and then those kind of things. She wanted to get some stuff for the outside. So we went and uh, my Robin collection ends at issue 41. And then I have some sporadic issues here and there that I've picked up. So I was like, okay, well, I'll just get issue 42, 43, and 44. There's buy two, get one free. Because I had been in there, I don't know, like three years ago, and they had the entire run of Robin. They had every single book. But I guess someone bought some because when I got there, they didn't have issues 42. I wonder who would have bought some of those issues. (laughs) (laughs) There was um, a guy who said he was on a Robin podcast and needed them. Yeah. (laughs) 
Maybe like somebody that, that lives in the same city as you, but somehow has never met you in person, but also yeah. swap shops in the same stores and buys the same books. It was uh, like that time where eBay all of a sudden got three Shotgun Smith origin story orders. Attention Comics is a hot book right now. Yeah, yeah. Right. So my wife was like thumbing through and she's like, well, can I help you? Can I try to find Robin 42? And she's like, oh, this is issue number one. I'm like, no, that's an annual. It was like, it was, she was trying, but she pulled out the Ryan, uh, Ryan, hello. The, she pulled out a Ryan. No, she pulled out the Robin 80 page giant from September 2000. And she's like, mm-hmm. I really like this one. It's got these animals on the cover and the elephant and stuff. You should get this one. So I got the Robin 80 page giant, which is actually the wedding issue for Jack Drake, Tim's dad, and the hot trainer, Dana. And Miss Mac is in it too. So, like, I guess they mm-hmm. all survive the uh, <laughs> horrible calamities that befall Gotham. Spoilers on the cover, which is pretty cool. And then I picked up issues 47 and 48, just because those were like the closest to 42. And um, Eduardo Barato, Barreto is doing the art. So his, mm. his art's pretty cool. And 48 is a Tom Grummet cover, which is kind of weird. I think it was recycled <laughs> art somewhere. Someone missed a deadline or something. That was uh, kind of fun to pick up some some Robin issues. Next time I go, I'll, I'll leave like a post-it note saying for Ryan saying, yeah, sorry, I already bought issue 47. Yeah. <laughs> I went hoping to be able to get the uh, legacy trade paperback, having the Contagion one that was, you know, really nice and handy. I couldn't find legacy. So I saw the DC Comics Essential action figures, and I saw the blue and gray Batman, the Nightfall Batman, and I was hoping to find Catwoman. Couldn't find her, but I did pick up that. We didn't have to wash. They did have hand sanitizer there on the counter, but it said the front door beyond this point. Um, and the shop I went to is Comic Town in Columbus, Ohio. If anybody from the Columbus area, go support them. So, but they did have a sign on the front door that says masks must be worn beyond this point. I'm sure a lot of people have seen it. 99.9% of the people in there were wearing masks, but there was just this one dude walking around without a mask and has this look of like, well, why, why are you guys wearing a mask? It's like, well, it's a big sign in the front of the door. So, but Hey, Ryan, how are you doing today, sir? And, uh, I bet it's a balmy crisp, uh, 64 degrees where you're at today. If anybody's a fan of uh, always sunny in Philadelphia and, and, you are familiar with the episode where Danny DeVito gets shoved in a couch and he has to like, uh, and he's like naked inside of a couch and he has to like rip himself out of it because he's too hot and he gets out. He's like, ah, ah, too hot. That's kind of like what I'm the situation I'm in right now. (laughs) Um, I'm not in a couch. I'm not naked in a couch, but, uh, boy, I'm my, my AC's busted and it broke on a Friday and it, and it won't be fixed until Monday. And of course, there's a heat wave this weekend, and it's like pushing 90 here in uh, in good old Raleigh. So uh, my house is like 85 plus degrees right now. So I'm not having a very good time. <laughs> and I, I will shut my face with the nice crisp 71 degrees <laughs> that we had today. But we've had a lot of rain over the last two and a half weeks. And like the sun comes out, but not enough. So today was one of those days where there were a lot of people out and about today so it was kind of cool just to be out and be like oh son got some barbecue and some comics or actually some action figures and it was a good day so like we were saying we're 
back from doing our every other episode. So I've got a couple more 80th anniversaries lined up and hopefully I can incorporate Terrence and Ryan into a couple of those coming in down the line, but more on that later. We are going to be looking at for this show, Robin 29 and Robin 30. And it's just funny, like thinking about like, oh, when we get to legacy, we've only got like three or four issues that we're going to talk about over the next couple shows before we're right into legacy, which I know this is a, a story that uh, is uh, one that Ryan has been chomping at the bit to uh, discuss and is one that uh, I'll, I'll just save that for legacy. But what we're going to do right here, we're going to take a quick promo break. And when we come back on the other side, we're going to be taking a look at Robin in 29 and 30. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. Don't go anywhere. The time is out of joint. The time is out of joint. The time is out of joint. The year is 1994 or 1944 or maybe 2994. Time is under threat and history is falling apart. Who will survive this crisis and how will history be changed for those that do? Zero Hour Strikes takes you back to that DC Comics crossover and covers the entire story, issue by issue, tie-in by tie-in, as the DC Universe goes down to zero. Join Bass and Siskoid at fireandwaterpodcast.com or on iTunes, Zero Hour Strikes, a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Remember, Legion. Adolescents this generation have no respect and are a far cry from my sweet Jane Eyre and her friend Helen Burns. Why, just this afternoon I was Stella across and and you know what? Men too. Well, uh, 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 Stella. Serious men like the tragic Mr. Rochester and teachers, pa. They're all like the villainous Mr. Brocklehurst. Hey, Stella! Uh, yes, Thomas. As much as I enjoy um, indulging your insanity, we have a promo to record. Oh dear, and what might that be? That is you and I telling everyone that we have a brand new podcast out there. It's called Required Reading with Tom and Stella. Once a month, we will take a look at a single work of literature, discuss it, analyze it, and determine if it's worth its place in the canon. Oh dear, that sounds delightful. Oh, I'm sure it will be. And you can find us on the Two True Freaks Network, which is at twotruefreaks.com. Oh yes, required reading with Tom and... Why is it Tom and Stella? Why can't it be Stella and Tom? It rolls off the tongue better? Okay. Well, that was easy. So, required reading with Tom and Stella at twotruefreaks.com. Thanks for contributing to the promo there. You did a great job. Oh, you are so welcome. And now the cover credits for Robin 29 and 30 come to us by the way of Mike's amazing world.com. Robin 29 has a cover date of May 1996 with an on-sale date of March 27, 1996 with a cover price of $1.95. The editor is now the late Denny O'Neill. 
Writer is Chuck Dixon. The penciler is Frank Fosco, which is a first for this series. And because of that, we're going to do an artist spotlight. Uh, this is something that I want to try and do for new artists that we get on the book and new writers. But, of course, Chuck Dixon is going to be here for quite a while. So it'll basically feature around the new artists that we get throughout the title. So for Frank Fosco, is a comic book artist, obviously, he began his career in 1983 working for Megaton Comics on their title, Megaton. His first work with DC Comics was Zero Hour Trade Paperback in 1994. Then he worked on titles like Legionnaires and then Robin and many others. He is best known in the comic book industry for his work on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Fosco would only draw two issues for the Robin book, being the two issues we're discussing today, 29 and 30, and would also be his last work at DC Comics. So we'll continue on with the rest of the creators in the book. Inker is Stan Woosh, the letter is Timothy Harkins, Colorist is Adrian Roy, and the cover credits go to Mike Rowingo and Terry Austin. And now, Robin 29, Hit and Myths. When we last left off with Robin in Robin 28, Tim Drake is greeted at the door by someone. That someone is... Ariana with her brand new hairdo. It's platinum blonde. You know, just like Stephanie, Tim's inner monologue says, I hate it. Out loud, he says, I love it. Hopefully that was convincing. She knew that Tim would. Jack Drake encourages his son to ask Ari to stay over for dinner. They're having shepherd's pie. That is something Tim is not a fan of either. Elsewhere in Gotham City, Maxi Zeus and his cohorts of the Greek gods are looking to make their next score high atop a cloud. Okay, it's not really a cloud. It's actually a billboard that tells you to sleep on a cloud with cloud soft. It's probably for a mattress. Maxi tells his Greek chorus that they think they can stop and escape my wrath. No, they are wrong. Their walls will not save them from the gods' anger. Fools! as he points to the Troy Armored Freight Company. Maxi has decreed his next plan of attack. He knows not the day nor the hour of their future endeavor and is covered in mystery for now. And will please somebody grab that umbrella and cover me. My cardboard lightning is becoming soggy in the rain. Later that night, because of the rain, Tim drives Ari to her house. Tim finally asks why she did it. She replies, my hair? To which Tim replies back, yes. She tells Tim that she just wanted him to notice her. And Tim says he does, but before he can get any other words out, she plants one on him and really plants one on him. The surprised look on Tim's face is enough for Ari, and before he can muster up any other words, Ari runs out in the rain. Cue Val Kilmer's Batman. Women. In the Soak City streets of Gotham City, Maxi Zeus pays a visit to Oswald Cobblepot, a.k.a. the Penguin, asking his greatness for a blessing on his plan and the blessings of this enterprise, and whether or not it's a good one. The Penguin can't see into the future, he tells Maxi, but it says that this paper he brought might bring forth the exact thing that Maxi needs to put a name for himself in Gotham City. Somehow, I think the Penguin knows this is not going to go well for Maxi, but he really doesn't care. After some training exercises in the Batcave and tips from Nightwing, as far as he can get from Nightwing, the hairdo and all, it's like having a different girlfriend or pretending that she's a different girlfriend or it's like she's pretending a different girl altogether. Tim says that he loves Ari for who she is and doesn't want to have to deal with the hair. He just wants to be in love with Ari as she is. 
Robin decides to clear his head and go out to the Gotham City streets and do some evening patrol. Dick says doing the Robin thing always helped center himself and collect his thoughts whenever he was dealing with something serious, a.k.a. meaning dealing with girls. Meanwhile, in the streets below, Maxi Zeus and the Greek chorus are following an armored truck. They pass by the armored truck on the city streets, dumping oil on the water-covered streets, as which we all know, water and oil do not mix, and the armored car skids off the road. Robin hears the commotion on the streets below and takes to action. But by the time he gets there, Zeus and his men have pulled the driver from the armored car. Robin swings to the ground, and wouldn't you know it, because of the water and oil, slips to the ground and slides right in front of the Greek chorus. Robin tries to take the big one down, thinking he can use his momentum, but is horribly wrong and is bounced off the side of the armored car. Then, blackness. When Tim regains consciousness, it's still black, kind of with a small light source in the end of this black cavernous thing that he's in. And then he realizes, oh, it's the armored car. Crap, he's trapped in another armored car. And then a figure comes into the light. It's Maxi Zeus. Wonderful. Maxi grabs Robin by the chin and says, Grant me audience with the Oracle. And now the cover credits for Robin 30. Robin 30 has a cover date of June 1996 with an on sale date of April 25th, 1996. Again, the cover price is $1.95 with the same writing credits being Dixon, Fosco, Stan Woosh. The inker on this one is Dick Giordano of Letters Timothy Harkins. The colorist is the lovely Adrian Roy. Cover credits go to Micro Ringo and Terry Austin. And now the final synopsis Iliads and Oddities. And so the people of the city brought ruin upon themselves as the great wooden horse they did drag within their walls. Doom fell upon them. The edifice proved to be pregnant with Greek soldiers. Thus fell Troy, or in this case, an armored car. And inside of the armored car in the Troy Freight Company are Robin and Maxi Zeus and the Greek chorus. And believes this is all too real and all too weird, Robin thinks. Robin is tied up and thrown out of the car and dragged behind Maxi Zeus. He has no idea where he's being hauled off to. Once inside, Maxi Zeus and the chorus shut all the exterior doors to the Troy Freight Company. Maxi takes Robin to a payphone and demands that he call the Oracle. He's probably talking about the Greek Oracle, but this also gives Robin the chance to call the real Oracle, a.k.a. Barbara Gordon, so she can get a pinpoint on his location. At first, Oracle thinks that this is just a joke that Tim is playing around, but quickly realizes that Robin is trying to get her to help pinpoint his location and get word back to the GCPD of what is going on. She tells Robin to just play along and keep Maxie talking on the phone as long as possible. Another part of Gotham, the previous night when Tim was locked up inside of the armored car, a.k.a. the Trojan horse, Ari had been waiting for Tim to call, but the phone never rang. When it did, it was actually Jake wanting to take Ari out. And, you know, since that Tim Drake guy's not going to call, why not just go out and they'll just go see the latest Brad Pitt movie? Surely going out with Jake can't be too harmful. The date does not go well as planned. And let's just say Jake is a slime ball. If you know what I mean. Hashtag me too. Back inside the freight company, one of Maxie's men, Hector, has a feeling that Robin might actually be talking to Batman or Batman's secretary or something for crying out loud. This is not helping, Max. This is all foolishness. This needs to stop. And just like that, Maxie puts up one finger. Heracles grabs Hector by the head and crushes it, tossing Hector to the floor. Okay, things are now gotten way out of control. Oracle did have enough time to put a trace on the phone before it was hung up to pinpoint Robin's location and send the GCPD there. 
Robin is able to break free and runs through the warehouse trying to find some way out. Speaking of getting out back on Ari's date, Ari is able to reach to the back seat and grab a set of beer cans and slam them into Jake's face, rolls down the window, hops out. Jake gets his head stuck in the window, yelling after Ari. As she races down the road, tears begin to fall on her face but are masked by the cool rain as she runs back home. Robin, too, races through the warehouse, only to find one security guard in the building, and wouldn't you know it, it's Helen. Helen of Troy, you've got to be kidding me. This whole night could not be any more on the nose if he tried. Robin grabs Helen by the hand as a thunderous explosion happens, blowing all the windows out of the security office. Maxie Zeus has called down the thunder from the heavens. Okay, it's actually in the form of shotguns. Robin throws some flash grenades, hoping to give distance for him and Helen as they race through the warehouse. Robin thinks if he can't take these guys one-on-one, speed and agility will have to be his best line of defense. Speed more than anything. Robin is able to slide under Heracles, grab a hold of the bay door, and hoist himself up on top. Just as Heracles is ready to rip the door open, the door magically opens, only to find the GCPD officers holding shotguns. Maxi Zeus and the Greek chorus are, have now been arrested and have been taken away. Robin heads back to the Batcave, telling Oracle and Alfred that everything turned out well, and the driver of the armored car and Helen of Troy is okay. Tim wants to get back to Ari to talk to her to say that he might not have exactly been the best boyfriend that he could be. When he arrives back at Ari's house, the blonde hair is gone, and she is now the brunette that he once fell in love with. All right, we're back, folks. So, Robin 29 will be our first book we're going to take a look at. And this is something new I'm going to try and do. And I've got notes on the computer to remember to do this. Anytime that we get a new artist or a new writer or somebody like that, or maybe even a villain that we're seeing for the first time in the Robin book, I want to try and do an artist spotlight. And uh, we have Frank Fosco that is the artist for these two books. And... I could have swore that these were micro Ringo books all day long, mm-hmm. just pulling them, you know, just cover wise. Did, did you guys have that same reaction to that? Like, Oh, this is just another, and I don't mean this bad. Like, Oh, it's another micro Ringo book. Like I would have bet my, my bottom dollar that these were Ringo led books. So let's start with uh, Ryan on this one. Well, it is a little deceptive of course, because Ringo did do the yeah. cover for uh for both of these issues right right so i didn't really know it was it wasn't him until you mentioned it in the notes and i was like oh it is a different artist and um so i wonder if that wasn't like they just needed i don't know what the story behind that was if they needed a fill-in guy or something like that but it didn't it's pretty cool i mean it's it's the art fits the books nicely i just want to get this out of the way now it's it's got a a lot of fluidity to it. Mm-hmm. Um, like, no, and that's, that's for real. Like I read these books since I'm, I'm lazy right now. Well, I didn't want to dig out books in a sweltering hot house. So I, <laughs> I, I read them on DC universe. It flowed really nicely. Yeah. Doing it just single pages too, but not, not like the normal comic book, um, you know, regular hard copy floppy style or whatever. So it read really well. I think to me, it looks like a kind of a interesting mix between, Ringo and like a Graham Nolan. Yeah. Especially when you get to some of the penguin scenes and stuff like that. It, it really evoked that to me. So I just thought it was, I thought it was solid and it fits the book and Dixon's writing really well. Yeah. There was nothing that 
sometimes we'll say you'll get a fill-in artist and you can def like there was that yeah one we've had some he, issues that <laughs> like that he had phil jimenez obvious. on a book there was nothing wrong with phil jimenez doing a couple robin issues but they were just so some drastically wacky, different yeah yeah uh, do you have any thoughts on uh frank's art here before we go into the spotlight piece terrence if you would have like just asked me, I, I would have thought, like you said, that this was a Ringo art because the style is not that far from Ringo. And I don't know this artist's background very much, so I'm interested to hear your artist spotlight when <laughs> this comes out. And I don't recall him doing a lot of Robin stuff after. Maybe he had a whole run and I just don't know it. So I don't know if he was trying to mimic Ringo's style a little bit or if they just got him because he was similar in style. But it did, you know, as Ryan said, have nice fluidity between the um, the books. And I thought it was adequate. I thought it was good, but it's still – I don't think it was as good as Ringo's art. Mm-hmm. It still was like, eh, not, not quite on that level. But it wasn't – I wasn't taken out of the story or I didn't think it was bad, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, exactly. No, that's that's spot on. It's like you, when you know, you know it's not it's – not, the normal artist, but it's, it's definitely, once you get to, to reading it, it just works so well with it. It doesn't, it, for me, it didn't t- take me out. And of course the coloring is just so, we'll get oh into it when gosh. we get into the book, but yeah. the coloring on this book actually really stood out to me. It's really good. I'm curious to look at it digitally. Well, let's just, speaking of the book, let's just look at the front cover of 29, which is one of those we always talk about you know, things that are on the cover don't happen, but it looks like Robin's getting choked with his own bow staff here by two big, at first, I thought when I got this book way back in the day, I thought like, "Oh, is uh, the I keep thinking McGill or Gorilla? That's not <laughs> wrong universe." Uh, I'm trying to think uh, Gorilla Grodd. That's what I was thinking. Is that like Gorilla Grodd's hands or Calabac or, or something crazy there choking Robin out? But like you said, this is a Ringo cover, and uh, you know, up close and personal with Robin and going, "Yeah, oh, gee, this kind of like leaps out." Like, I, I wonder what happens to get Tim to this state. What'd you guys think of the cover for 29, uh, Ryan? Well, obviously it's Heracles, right? He's yeah. going up against him. <laughs> right. How would, you, how would you guess? No, it's great. And I read this digitally and I was really impressed because, man, the colors really pop reading this stuff on this. I mean, I can't really take away from reading a hard copy or whatever. And I and that's obvious. That's, I think that's always going to be my preferred mm-hmm. way to read it. But, man, just like just to pick it up on DC Universe and pick the thing or even on the tv actually so i've got like a 4k tv and i haven't really i haven't really done the comics on the tv much but what's happened is like we've been using i've been using the dc universe a lot lately because because i watch the shows and and, you know i've been watching harley quinn myself the harley quinn animated series Mm. which is just excellent and um yeah my daughter nora loves teen titans right now she can can't not watch enough teen titans (laughs) So we watch Teen Titans on the iPad. We watch it on uh, the TV when we're downstairs. And um, because the data in the app gets shared, it's, you know, between no matter what device you're using it on, right? So so since I've been reading Robin comics, Robin shows up uh, on the, like, suggested list or on the favorites list when you're when you're on the TV. So I'm like, oh man, I wonder what some of this stuff is like. And you know, like um sort of Azrael is on there just because I've we've been covering it on the Azrael podcast, which isn't out yet, but we've been recording the episodes. And um so I'm like, I'm gonna just try this out and I just start pre- and I just press play and it's actually 
quite breathtaking when if you're not used to it, especially if it's a book you've read already. You know, like like a book you hold in high regard, like read a Nightfall book or this Azrael book. Mm. You know what's going to happen. It's more like a, you know, an animated version of the story, and you're like, oh man, they're just like going through the art, go through the pages, and you can either do full pages or they you can make it like like a comicsology where it zooms in on the panels and stuff. Oh and yeah, panel by panel layout, panel by panel, or and you can just like leave it up as a almost like a background video or something where it'll just like change the panels like every three to five seconds or something. So Hmm. you could just, it's, it's pretty slick. So that's kind of a cool way to read it too. But like I said, these books I read on the iPad and the colors are great. It just really, it really jumps out at you. And that's a lot to say about the cover, but the cover is great. And I always got to appreciate the, I, I generally like the super detailed, lots of action covers, but there's something to be said about a lot of these Robin series covers where it's nothing but like Robin's face, mm-hmm. you know, like there's quite a few of these like early on that really got me because he's such an expressive character and you're just, um, makes you want to read the book. So yeah. So the cover is pretty great. Terrence. Just to throw it back a little bit to what we were talking about before, I decided to look up and think, well, what, what did Mike where Ringo Ringo do <laughs> during these two issues that the time was off, and it he may have not done the Robin issues because, and this is just speculation, but right around the same time the DC Comics Marvel Comics crossover was out, and they had the Amalgam Universe, mm. and he did the art for Spider Boy, which was a combination of Tim Drake and Peter Parker, which we should probably do as like an April Fool's podcast or something <laughs> one time. And he also did the Avengers number 400, which I don't know if he did the whole art on that or just some of it. So that could could possibly be why Ringo only did the covers for these. This cover is cool. It could work for almost anything, though. Like this is it's a little generic. I don't know. Does Hercules or I'm sorry, Heracles? Does he wear are the ring throughout the issue? I gotta check because that ring I is kind of specific. So. Yeah, I mean it's not poster worthy, but it, we need to come up with a ranking. Like poster worthy is obviously the top, and then like, <laughs> like you know, I'm not sure. Like like, frame, ha- like house ad, and then yeah, frame worthy, <laughs> frame worthy. You know, uh, so this this is <laughs> panel worthy, yeah, panel worthy. not not worthy, <laughs> unworthy, tattoo worthy. Yeah, tattoo. Yeah, I got to get this inked. <laughs> so now that we've looked at the cover, uh, one of the First questions I want to ask you guys. If you remember our contagion a few episodes back, that the Robin book, at least as far as the trade goes in contagion, there's two, these two Robin issues are back to back in that trade, which, as far as the contagion storyline goes, that we're right out of contagion and back into almost normalcy. Should it be over this quickly? And you can insert our own real world in here, if you will. <laughs> Sorry that it hasn't happened yet, but once you had a you know, a, a three or four month spanning, you know, global disaster story. Do you guys feel we need a couple issues to let the readers go? Oh, okay. Let's not have everybody have the world falling on top of us. Uh, Terrence. Yeah, I kind of like just jumping back to normal. I think Jeff Johns was pretty famous for doing these sort of like in between issues or little like uh, like showcase half stories of like. You know how the heroes like always rebuild after a crisis, and the Flash kind of comes in and puts everything together in about three hours at super speed and that kind of stuff. <laughs> so, so I'm okay with the 
just acting like, oh yeah, it's, it's all back to normal and just having kind of a um, this kind of story. Right? Going through what the world, the real world is going through right now, I'm like, hey, wait a second, they're not even in phase one of reopening yet. What <laughs> right? the hell is yeah. this? Yeah. That's why. Like, where are the masks? Like, yeah. they, there's no, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the most unbelievable part of contagion altogether is that nobody's wearing masks or nothing. Yeah, no hand um, sanitizer. Hand exactly. sanitizer's not even mentioned. There's, yeah. there's toilet you paper can... and paper towels everywhere. Like, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah, Tim's hands on the front page or on the first page of the book his hands aren't chapped from putting on so much hand sanitizer like it's it. for real <laughs> yeah and the yeah. term flattening the curve is not used once your social distancing <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah yeah ari just really wants to hug tim with her stupid blonde hair so <laughs> one of the notes i have in yeah here i can't t- even get a haircut <laughs> how did she dye <laughs> her hair how did she <laughs> now we know that the uh babylon towers had this wonderful salon in it and it burnt to the ground there's no way she got her hair dyed during this whole fiasco yeah I wouldn't That's, be surprised if if there if it was an editorial kind of semi mandate where it was like yeah we did contagion and we're gonna ramp it back up in a couple months with another crossover or whatever so like next next couple issues are your chance to kind of hit reset or make these books easy for people to jump in or something yeah what I think is funnier through this opening scene with her being there that. Mrs. McElbane is making shepherd's pie, and Tim's like, I don't even like shepherd's pie, and I like brunettes, you know. I don't know what you guys thought of Ari through this book, but I was like, we had said it before in a previous episode, like where she slaps Tim at the graveyard. Like, I want to go, why are you dating this chick again? <laughs> yeah, I I would be very interested to see what sort of uh, letters were in the letters column for this issue, if people had the same reaction for... Ariana, like, yeah, Tim's too good for her. You know, it's issues uh, 34 and 35. I I have them if we can go through them. They they weren't that spectacular, but uh, (laughs) yeah, but you know, the thing is, the last issue, issue 28, there's like this big sort of cliffhanger, right? A huge cliffhanger, yeah, yeah. that we talked about that on the last episode before this. We were just like, what could this possibly be? And I read ahead, I was like, I have to know what this is right now, so I read ahead and I was like, really, they did a a whole cliffhanger of a comic book on somebody changing their hair color. It's amazing. I actually kind of really like it because having two teenage daughters, myself, one right now is about to turn 15 and the other just turned 19, and being a middle school teacher and being around a lot of, you know, middle school aged kids, like someone changing their hair color is a big deal to mm-hmm. kids like not to us like we're like whatever you know but but to that age group and that kids and and doing that suddenly like it is a big deal so i think it's kind of fun that it's not really a big deal but that tim thinks it's such a big deal and it, i'm jumping the gun a little bit here but it leads to such a great scene later on between tim and nightwing so i'll wait till we get oh, to yeah. it <laughs> that yeah. is just so classic Speaking of classic, uh, we've got a little villain spotlight in Maxi Zeus, first appeared in Detective Comics, issue 483, April and May of 1979. It was created by is that Denny a Jim O'Neill. Apero. Yeah. Art? Uh, well, actually, this is Denny O'Neill and Don Newton, but he uh-huh. uh, 
yeah, Apero had done like a lot of his more more classic stuff. So one of the questions I've I think maybe we've kind of talked about this before during the Nightfall podcast is Denny O'Neill trying to have his way, like bringing in the Batman sixty six in the mainstream because of the copyright issues. Like, ah, oh, I'd like to have King Tut, but DC really doesn't have the rights to it. If you can believe that, you know, now that we've got like all this Batman sixty six stuff. So do you think that this was this just screams? you know, King Tut. Do you think this was their way of having a King Tut type character? Cause they both have like that amnesia or mental facility where like in the 66 show, King Tut would kind of come in yeah. and out of it where Maxi's swap more Egyptian. Full. Yeah. The yeah, Egyptian, Egyptian motif for, for yeah. the, the Greek gods motif. Yeah. It's pretty much the same kind of character, especially the way he, he's portrayed here. Now some, in some comics, they put a different slant on him, like where he's like super muscular, or he's like yeah. real, like really a killer, and he's really a threat. But around this nightfall period, I'm pretty sure he was kind of really downplayed as kind of a joke, because mm-hmm. uh, I thought that this was interesting that they were able to. This is like a latent nightfall tie-in here because they were like, oh, he's one of the last people that's still out there. Which mm-hmm. kind of shows like how how much people you know didn't really care like he, of his threat level. <laughs> I just remember him getting punched out. Uh, see, I thought he would have gotten captured fast because he got punched in the face by like Bullock, right? Like right, right after the breakout. So. Quite a few of these guys are not going to be running around for too long. Oh, free! Free to gather my legions once more. They thought to imprison a god. I only had to call down thunderbolts to rescue me from their feeble grasp. They can never contain Maxi Zeus. Hey, uh, Maxi. Yes? Message for you from Mount Olympus. You got to have a way with these people. You're sick, Harv. But I guess he still managed to escape after that. And in the audio drama, they play him as just a really like, oh my gosh, I'm running free. You know, I'm that, actually, that. and he just punches him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's free. You know, I remember the audio drama. You could probably slip it in here. He's like, no one will escape Max Zeus. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, that's already going to be in here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you have any thoughts on uh, Zeus, uh, Terrence? It was either one of two things. Either yeah, you're right. They wanted to bring in King Tut, couldn't swapped out the Egyptian for Greek, mm-hmm. or. They needed an idea. They couldn't think of anything. <laughs> they looked, well, how could we just take this guy and change him just enough so it's something new for for this month? And, and that's how it was. I also feel like right around this time, because these books are cover date 1996, Batman the Animated Series was super hot at this time mm-hmm. and, and really popular. As we'll see in an upcoming podcast when we talk about Detective Comics 697, 8, and 9, they, they introduced the character of Lockup from the animated series into the books. Pretty soon, Harley Quinn is going to be a big part of DC What Universe. an interesting time frame that we're, yeah. we're in this while the animated oh, yeah. series is going on. So I and I know Maxi Zeus was in the animated series, so I wonder too if some of this was was just getting that that feel of the animated series because not so much the Ariana with her hairdo thing, but yeah. the actual Maxi Zeus storyline feels very much like an animated series kind of vibe to it. So that's more what I took from it than the '66 show. I can definitely see that. This wasn't in the notes, but I did want to put this in here of Tim and Ari in the car. 
and Ari planning a kiss on Tim. And like you were talking about her hair, like it, it's a big deal. I can remember my sisters getting their hair done and I'm like, so what it's shorter or you curled it big deal. But I think this kind of plays into that. Like, you know, I I do notice you, but it was more pulling at like, you just did your hair just because of that blonde girl. And then she darts out of the car. So, well, you notice she's also wearing purple. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. uh, well, like, that's also, which is weird. It's also purple is also kind of Ariana's color also. Yeah. Right. So, so it wasn't anything I wanted to belabor too much, but I think it was just one of those that, uh, and my, my divergent question too is, is Tim driving the red bird? Doesn't the red, does the red bird have transformation qualities into like a regular red car? Yes. I, I thought it did. Okay. Yep. And the, the green tinted, and you've got the not the roll bar, but the the T tops that are going up through there. So yeah, I, I definitely believe that's the the Redbird or the sports coupe, I guess what's technically right now. Yeah, and in the eighty page annual that I bought, the Redbird features in it, and they they have some interior shots too. So it looks kind of like a normal car in the interior. Well, I know this is up your alley, Terrence, with what you do for school. So you're going to be our Greek authority through uh, most of these two issues we have. Uh, how how is Dixon handling the the Greek part of Maxi Zeus and you know kind of his his demeanor? Does this feel like something you can show your kids in class and go, hey, Dixon's got it right? Or are you like, okay, hold it, time out, Dixon. You got you got twelve things wrong and none of them are right. <laughs> he does it really well. I think I've talked about this on an earlier podcast. The Greeks are a unit that I've been covering for about 15 years. And one of the fun things that I do during the the Greek unit is I show the kids, and this is probably not allowed, but I do it anyway. (laughs) I show the kids the episode of Justice League Unlimited, This Little Piggy, where Wonder Woman gets turned into a pig and it's got all this Greek mythology stuff and the kids just love it. And, you know, Batman goes down to Hades and they meet, meet justice and they meet the witch Circe, who's from, you know, the, the Odyssey. And, um, it's kind of funny because the red tornadoes in it and the kids have no idea who the red tornado is, but over the years they've been guessing different people. So for, they see like this, this like whirlwind and the kids like, it's the flash, it's the flash. And there's like, no, 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 red tornado. And now recently they've been like, it's Vision. That's the Vision. And I'm like, no, 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 wrong universe, wrong universe. And then Boana Beast is in it and stuff. Dixon, not that I'm an expert in Greek mythology, but he seems to get everything correct, although he doesn't dive too deep into stuff. Like, he's not right. real, real technical. I do like, and this is kind of a nitpick, but he they get it right. They refer to Maxi Zeus's henchman as Heracles, which is the Greek version. Hercules is the Roman version of the name which is weird because so many things that are supposedly greek like the disney movie hercules like they just use the name hercules all the time so the whole trojan horse thing just reminds me so much of the simpsons episode lemon of troy where homer (laughs) and them hiding the 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 rv and he's like no one in history has ever thought of anything like this so yeah but no i give him an a plus for accuracy cool Again, this is something else I left off the notes. It, it, probably more about the hair, but it's fun to see Ives and Tim's classmates. And again, I think we've said it you know, numerous times on the show. I think that's probably arguably another one of our favorite things about this era of Robin is just 
Tim's his classmates, his home life, it really makes the characters feel more flushed out and more real. You can kind of relate to everything here. I, I like that Robin, or Tim, I should say, is kind of like middle of the road in high school. Like, he's not one of the cool guys, but he's not the complete loser, nerd, like... Peter Parker in the first Spider-Man movie where, you know, like he's like even the bus driver won't stop for him. Like the bus driver sees him. The bus driver makes him run. Then no one in the on the school bus wants Peter Parker to sit next to him. They go on the field trip. The teachers doesn't even like him. Like, you know, he's just the, the pariah of the school where, you know, Tim's just like a normal guy, you know, so I like that part. And I also if you would think, too, that Tim's probably – in the top of his class. So he's probably falling more on the nerd side of the, the spectrum or the geek, but also with that probably comes a lot more respect. Like, all right, that's that's the kid that's breaking. Talk about flattening the curve. Tim Drake's probably the one wrecking the curve for everybody in you know, physics and, and all that stuff, too. So I, I like that aspect. Like you said, he's not, he's not stuck in the corner somewhere like that. Tim Drake's just stuck in a locker again. Yeah. Hey, I know the next scene coming up here is Nightwing. Uh, I love this scene. But do you think Chuck Dixon, I'll say this, because Nightwing appears here. Then in the detectives issue, we'll talk about it in a future podcast of uh, 697, 98, 99, Nightwing's in it again. Do you think editorial was telling Chuck Dixon, like, you need to add in some Nightwing, keep Nightwing in these stories? Or do you think Chuck was putting him in on his own because he loved the character so much and thought it was a a good beat? I, I think Chuck's putting it in on his own, but I was wondering what you guys thought of that. I would think the same thing. I think yeah. knowing that Dixon is writing, well, is he writing all three at the? Yeah, he's writing all three at this point. So like all three, why, what? Like he's writing Robin, Nightwing, and Detective. I, I don't think Nightwing's out yet. He's right? not okay. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Oh, oh, that's right. So that's probably even more to him. Like, well, I want a chance to use Nightwing, and maybe this is one of those things by him just putting them in there. They're like, well, you've got a really good voice for Dick, so. Why not eventually write the Nightwing series? So, anything for you, uh, Ryan, on that? No, I just I agree. It, it just seems like um, it's it's it just looks like a fun scene that Dixon would add in, and the dialogue is so punchy and perfect in this. Like it's only one page, but so much comes across in it, and I love pages like that. Same and the same thing goes with this um with the two preceding pages with with Ives talking to to Tim and the transition between. Tim drinking some milk and uh, him talking to Nightwing's great. And just seeing the Penguin and that kind of interaction works really well. Because we didn't see Penguin much in Nightfall and some of the books around around there. So to see him back with the Iceberg Lounge and all that is, uh, is really fun to see. Nightwing's regular series started later this same year. So you were close. And he had done that Alfred's Return and he had yeah, done the miniseries. That's right. So it, it was close. But and didn't is, Denny O'Neill do the miniseries and then and Dixon did the main series when it started? Or? They're just out of reach. Yeah, I'd have to check that. It sounds about right. I'm, I'm pretty yeah, sure. I'm pre- I think it was like, yeah, it was probably like... Know. Dix, Dixon doing the, or was it Denny that did the Nightwing's ret- or Alfred's return? I don't remember anymore. Chuck Dixon, uh, Volume Two, Nightwing did issue one. So yeah, O'Neill did do the miniseries, and then for issue one of Nightwing, that's that's Dixon. So, there you go. Yep. This is such a, a 
a Nightwing move here where Tim's like, oh, you know, first of all, it's such a mopey teenager thing. Like, my girlfriend changed her hair. Like, it's the <laughs> end of the world. Like, teenagers, like, such little stuff. And I'm guil- I was guilty of it, too, as a teenager. I'm, I'm glass houses and throwing stones. But, the you know, the littlest things, you just think it's the end of the world and it's such a big deal and you you just have no perspective. And then <laughs> Nightwing is just like, dude, man, that's just like – Getting to be with a, a different girl, man. That's just awesome. Like this is like the worst advice ever you can give, but it's such a Nightwing kind of answer. Like I just, and it's such a good older brother, younger brother dynamic that mm. I just, I, I think it's pretty awesome. Yeah, that that would be dick to go right for the. I've always wanted to date a blonde chick. Now I am dating a blonde chick, but it's the same chick. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I can get Barbara or Corey to change their hair color. Yeah. <laughs> Corey, you be blonde and. Now you be a brunette. <laughs> the The next few pages in the rain here, 9 through 12, uh, Fosco's art, I really like. But something I think Ryan said earlier, I feel like there's a little bit of a shift in his art through here where, um, yeah. especially when Robin is swinging through, like when Dick says, hey, you know, go, go do the Robin thing, basically. Like, get out of your head for a minute and go bust some bad guys. So when he's swinging through and landing on the buildings and doing some flips, I think that's really cool. This is probably the one section. I think the rain looks really good, but where it looks like he dips out of his art style a little bit, or maybe it's supposed to be messy is the wrong word. It's supposed to be distorted because of the rain, because the cars and the buildings and everything look good, but Tim looks a little off model. Did you guys pick up on that at all? I did, yeah. And that's and that's probably the page where I noticed that it was definitely a different artist. Like the Nightwing page on page 9, you could almost pass it off as, as Graham Nolan, and then you get to the next page, you're like, oh, okay, well, this is definitely not the same artist. But it holds, I mean, it's fine. It holds up. I mean, and I love that visual continuity of the rain going through the whole issue like it's Mm -hmm. just kind of always there in the background and even in i just love how many different scenes with different characters there are in this issue where you'll jump from tim and ariana in the car and then you'll go to maxi zeus and it's still raining or you know where the penguin is in the iceberg lounge and it's still raining and you go back in the back cave and then you come back out it's still raining i just think that's cool because it just it grounds you in that world a little bit more when Terrence? they think about the continuity oh, of, of of what the world is doing. Oh, yeah, I agree. In my notes, I wrote, Ari is off to go see 12 Monkeys <laughs> with Brad Pitt. So she takes a phone call at home and while she has just kissed him and... The kiss either must have been really good or like, wow, Drake's really smart, but he can't kiss worth a darn. So as soon as Jake calls, she's out of here. So I did a little looking when you know Jake says, hey, do you want to go see the you know Brad Pitt movie? I was like, I wonder what movie that is. So 12 Monkeys was released in December, on December 29th, 1995. And his next movie would be Sleeper, which was released October 18th, 1996. So this is probably like the tail end of the run for 12 Monkeys. So it's one of those things that Dixon says he didn't do very often, is try and ground or put like real world things in there. But it was one of those like, I wonder what movie was out there. Like, because Dixon has said before that he would just, you know, be holed up in a hotel and like blast out three three or four issues and then you go back home. So I'm wondering the, uh, the TV, like the pay-per-view was like, 
like up next to a pay-per-view, a 12 monkeys, or, you know, you could get a movie in your hotel room, or maybe there was a movie theater outside the hotel. He's like, Oh yeah, that's that Brad Pitt movie. So it's one of those little things that he doesn't do too often, but puts a real world twist in there that this does date this movie right to that point. So sometimes seeing pop culture references in comics date, it obviously dates them, but sometimes it's fun. And in this case, it's definitely fun because the, the cell phone is it's like a chunky '90s cell phone, and they're talking about a Brad Pitt movie. It's it's just fun. It's 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 not as cool as some of the you know like third base stuff like popping in here and stuff like that. <laughs> but uh, but it's still kind of a cool reference. Yeah, he picked a good actor because I mean Brad Pitt just won the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor. Here it is, twenty four, twenty five years later. So he at least he picked someone who stayed relevant all this time. You right. Know? The other thing that I liked in here, once Tim gets thrown into the armored truck, is there's like a little throwaway line of Tim like, oh, I've been stuck in a in, a, in an armored truck before. And for anybody keeping track, if probably not, I'm probably the only nerd here, but issue five, Tim was stuck in an armored truck that was being buried with the Clue Master. So just one of those little things. That I like, love oh, that I'm callback. Good. Yeah, yeah, just uh, those those little things. Just that kind of made me smile. Like, ah, oh, Dixon went clear back to issue five, and like, oh, I got Tim in a truck. Like, why not? Why not reference that? So we do get the Trojan horse reference towards the tail end of this, the Brad Pitt reference, and the might as well put the Troy movie in two thousand four. Can Dixon see into the future? Probably not. But uh, so everybody knows the terse, uh, the terse, the, <laughs> the term Trojan horse. The other thing that is brought in here is Oracle. So when you're reading the last couple panels in here, he wants to speak to Oracle. So you're left to believe, like, all right, is this another Greek god that uh, he is talking about? Or does he actually, in fact, know that there is this person out there called Oracle that Robin and Batman talk to? So did you guys... I mean, now hindsight being twenty twenty, we know kind of what the ins and outs are, but is... My Greek mythology is way is way off. Is Oracle a a Greek character, or is it is that just something that uh, Dixon just threw in there to kind of just put that in there? I want to go to Terence on this one first. So the Oracle, there's a there's a Greek city um, called Delphi, and so there was the Oracle at Delphi that was basically like a fortune teller. So she was kind of like a priestess, and she always spoke in riddles, like beware the man with one sandal or something. Like It was never like, go to this place and receive your fortune, you know? It was always in the <laughs> stories, riddles and, and like puzzles and things that if you tried to avoid it, then you would just make it happen kind of thing. So that's where the Oracle being like a source of information, a source of the future and knowledge is a Greek thing, and that's where Barbara Gordon got the name from. So I always took it here as just Maxi Zeus was thinking that this was the Oracle, the fortune teller, the same as the, the Greek legends. Gotcha. Any thoughts on that, Ryan? I mean, other than when I, when I read the book and you get to that cliffhanger, I'm like, well, now here's a cliffhanger, and that's <laughs> not compared to the previous issue. But um, but yeah, I knew um, it had to be the 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 Batman character Oracle. I mean, otherwise, why would you? Why wouldn't you? Right? And uh, this is around the time, right, where Birds of Prey is becoming a thing, and you're getting Oracle. And it made me wonder: has had Oracle been in this series yet, or is this the first issue she's in? in? I th- this is the did? first appearance of oracle and robin she has been made mention i think her computer of that almost look like alien looking 
uh, computer design that we would see, but I think this is her first actual physical appearance. So that's kind of cool to to be able to to see her in this way. And I'm I'm almost I'm almost positive this is the first one. If I if I read those uh, notes correctly on uh, Wikipedia, but you know, I just wanted to mention if you look at the letter column for issue oh, twenty nine, yep. it's just the generic Ooh. Robin. We've had three miniseries, four annuals, and twenty nine. How many issues. years? How many years? It's three uh, at this point. More right, pushing it well. Ninety six is uh, including the miniseries too. Like, yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, at least three years for the Robin book, and then even more for the annuals and miniseries. But in our next issue, everything's going to change. All that long wait. What? What took them three years to come up with? What round magic? Robin? Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think even we had read a letter column that there were people writing in like, oh, you ought to call it uh, Round Robin. I would love to go back and sift through the audio of the podcast, but I'm probably not going to do it because I'm not going to find the episode. But I think even editorial said, like, they kind of poo-pooed the idea of calling it Round round Robin. Like, I don't know about Round Robin, but keep those names coming or something like that. I know we talked about it. It was definitely one of the first five names that were sputtered out when they were going over suggestions. Yeah. And to, to find out by, by 30, they were finally, they should have just called it the the Drake. (laughs) They should have, they should have saw into the future. Like we know this is where this is going to go. People are going to love this. Yeah. And, and, the, the next issue that month, all of the letter columns changed format as far as like the style and layout and everything. So maybe they got. That's probably why they pushed. changed it because they were like, we really got to rename this guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just can't uh, say Robin down the side. <laughs> yeah. Round Robin. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. We put two R's because we know Tim's going to be called Red Robin at some point. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Yeah. So uh, let's look at our last book. Get that get that guy Scott Lobdell down here and get yeah. him to come up with a name here. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. We'll show you what. And get uh, Brett Booth down here. We got pouches and straps and a, wing, a winged suit to put on this guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Back to Happier Times, issue 30 of Robin. And uh, we've got... Mike Raringo led cover here again. It's the the same writing team with a Fosco doing it, but the, we got the Raringo cover here. It's so Robin with a sword standing on top of a Greek god with a bunch of sirens uh, in the background. What do you guys think of uh, the cover for Robin number thirty, Terrence? I'm going with the highest honors of poster worthy for this this cover. I love this cover. I would definitely hang this as a poster in my room. I love. <laughs> You know, so many posters want to make the hero in, like, peril and beat up and in the worst possible state and broken and bloody. I love one seeing the hero pretty triumphant and, like, you know, won the day. And I, I just the pose and everything and the sword. And it's almost like he's winking at you a little bit. He's got bit. a little smirk, yeah. Yeah, it's, I just – I love it. I think it's awesome. <laughs> Ryan. It's awesome, but it's also, like – I don't know if we need another rating of, like, super misleading cover – because nothing like this happens in the issue. Right. I don't know yeah, what arena yeah. he's in. I don't know who the the girl, the women in the background with the thumbs down are. They're not in the issue. Like they clearly don't like it. They're like, hey, this doesn't happen. Boom. <laughs> well, <laughs> and not only that, the artist isn't even in the issue. It's a Ringo cover on a right. Foschko book. Yeah. It confused me because. In my head, when we were doing this issue, I was like, wait, haven't we read this already? It really... I you did, go ba- too. You go back and look at the covers, it, it really could slot right in with, like, issue, like, 19, when he's in um, 
you know, fighting Ulysses Hadrian Armstrong. That's like, what it was. Like yeah. it just seems like it would fit in with that cover wise. You know, he's in an arena fighting <laughs> like lion, gladiator right? type stuff. Yeah, yeah li- lion one issue and in the arena that the previous issue. So it just seems like it would naturally flow with that one. Can you all tell me exactly what the hell Maxi Zeus's plan was in these two books? I, I skimmed over it because it's not really clear. Cause I'm, yeah. Cause I was trying to, I mean, he's doing stuff. It's like a bad Batman 66 episode where you're like, <laughs> yeah. where they're yeah. like stuff just happens. And then you kind of have to figure out why later, like we're watching it right now. And some of the episodes are really hilarious. Cause it's like Joker showed up and then he's doing a thing. And then Batman foiled it five minutes in. So he's like, nah, I got to do something else now. And then, and then literally in the, these two episodes, Batman basically leads Joker along to try and tries to trick him into doing stuff so he can, so he can arrest him and stuff. It's really weird. It's like if Batman wouldn't have interfered, Joker wouldn't have done anything wrong in the episode. And then in the next one, Bruce Wayne lets Catwoman out of the state penitentiary on uh, like good behavior. And, and then, but Bruce Wayne's still Catwoman's social worker. And, (laughs) and then Catwoman of course starts doing crimes and stuff. And I'm like, dude, if you didn't let her out, she wouldn't have, there would have been (laughs) nothing to stop. Like, what are you doing? Like, mm-hmm. it's really interesting, like, some of these... Like, season two... Um, we're in season two, and a lot of the plots get a lot more... A lot less formulaic compared to the season one. Season one's very, like, you got the bat phone, go down the bat poles, meet, meet at the police headquarters, you know, oh, we gotta go... It's, it's this villain, go back and have a fight and, and win, and then have a fight and then have a cliffhanger and then do episode two, and, you know... But uh, season two is... A lot of the episodes are not like that, which is kind of interesting. But, uh, but yeah, I was reading these issues again, and I'm like, where? What exactly is Maxie trying to even do? Like the closest thing I got is when he's standing on that billboard, and it's I've got it written in the synopsis. But he's standing on the billboard and looking at the Troy Armored Freight Company. Yeah, and I'm like, that's the Armored Freight Company. It's not. I think I even said while we were talking, like the, the bank or whatever. It's just the freight company that's carrying. The money that's not actually the bank, it's just where the armored cars are held. So he's taking yeah. the armored car to hang out with other armored cars that maybe possibly there's money in some of the armored cars. So yeah, that's it. Like, oh, we've got this. He goes talks to the penguin, and the well, yeah, he says, shows well, like, he shows penguin this plan. Like, and I'm like, what is th- what is this though? Yeah, that's about it. And then it's just like it does feel like a '66 kind of episode when you when you. But it seems way. like it seems like Penguin is the one who told Maxi Zeus about Oracle. Yeah, because he's like, I need, I need. He's Penguin's like, I'm not a clairvoyant. I don't know what to do. And he's like, I need to know. I need a prophet. And he's like, Oh, what about the Oracle? So I think that's that's kind of part of it. The beginning of this, and Terry, so you could probably help me with this one. The opening monologue that's written here, and. So for the people of the city brought the ruin upon themselves as the great wooden horse uh, they did drag with their walls. Uh, what is that from? So I don't know exactly the which one, but it's from the, Ili- the Iliad. So okay. uh, to, to give you it real quick, there's two Greek stories, the Iliad and the Odyssey. The Iliad is basically the story of the Trojan War. And then the Odyssey is the story of Odysseus, the hero from the war, trying to get home. Oddly enough, the Iliad 
the original Greek Iliad, which is written by Homer, does not mention the Trojan horse, and that's in later versions. There's this this version called the Aeneid by a Roman writer named Virgil that has the Trojan horse in it. So I think in Maxi Zeus even makes some kind of mention somewhere about how it wasn't in the initial. So that's why the story is called Iliads and Odysseys instead of Iliad and uh, Odyssey. And um, it's the original Greek. It was an oral story. So there's different versions and then there's translations of the different versions so i'm not quite sure if this was just chuck dixon writing something that kind of sounded like it would be from it or if this is from a translation of it from somewhere else Uh, usually if they do a translation like this they'll cite it somewhere like you know for copyright and plagiarism reasons so i'm guessing this is chuck dixon original verse to sound like some ancient Greek versions of the Iliad, if that makes sense. Yeah. So like I had alluded to earlier that this is their Trojan horse being inside of the armored car, which is actually kind of ingenious. You know, you having, have one of your guys dress up as a security guard, the truck is broken down and it just gets taken right back into the armory, so to speak. And, uh, or the mint and uh, everybody else is hiding inside of it. Just like, you know, the, the, the Greek tale. So I think it was really kind of ingenious. And even though Maxie may be kind of crazy, he's smart enough to at least be able to pull this off. And I think that the penguin kind of says, well, we've got this idea or there's this other thing that you can do. So the penguin is probably kind of helping steer Maxie to this a little bit and maybe thinking like, well, I'll give you this plan or idea, but you're probably going to end up getting caught. So yeah, go ahead and try it. So I did think that was kind of interesting that it's Maxi Zeus that's that's pulling uh, this out. And a note that I have here is this is kind of one of those sensitive subjects, but Dixon is addressing it over the next couple of issues is Ari's in a bit of a situation with Jake in the car. Now, I know it's something that she is kind of going out of her way to make a point to Tim. Like you're not really paying attention to me. So Jake just happened to call and I'm going to go out on this date. And now she's kind of in a predicament, but what do you think happened to her in this car? Cause it like, he's leaning in for the kiss right here. And it's kind of like, does that TV cut away? And we're back to Robin and uh, Maxi Zeus. Before we get to that, I kind of want to pick your guys's brains of what, could potentially be going on here let's start with terrence so and we talked about this a little bit before the podcast started some more of what happens here with ari in the car gets fleshed out in issue 40 where she kind of talks to tim about that night and what happens here but you know sort of on page six you could just kind of tell by her body language the look on her face that she is not receptive to what's going on you know she's just kind of naive like oh yeah these boys just want to go see a movie with me that's that's fun like yeah she's she's not she's enjoying she's 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 enjoying the the newfound uh attention she's getting with with the hair and not and, realizing that they want more than just seeing a movie with her. Yeah. Right. You know, I, th- I thought the same thing, too. Like, she's got her new haircut. She, you know, Tim has noticed her. And her post-pandemic like haircut. Yeah. Coloring. 
it's one of those things like we've been holed up in, you know, in quarantine for months. I'm going to go out with them to the movie with any boy that's going to pay any attention to me. So not thinking things through could lead you down a road that, you know, hey, you're not wearing your mask. You probably should. And B, don't get in cars with strange people if you don't have your head screwed on straight. And Tim is like not the greatest boyfriend either. Like he flakes <laughs> no. out all the time. Like where's yeah, he? Yeah, both kind of. Yeah. They're both. They both kind of suck for each other. Like in terms, of, they just they're really flaky. Yeah, and you can you could clearly tell. Like Tim is constantly not there. So well, if you're not here, somebody else could be. And Tim's checking out blondies at funerals. I mean, come on, it's just <laughs> right. Tim's got the wandering eye. So uh, we have our first kill in this issue. Hercules just killed a dude with his bare hands and literally Ooh. crushed his head. That's uh, <laughs> that was kind of a little bit of a gruesome there, like uh, with his eyes bulging out there. So I really liked the art here and seeing you know his little legs almost looks like you know Wiley e. Coyote trying to run to catch the the road runner there. Uh, Barbara looks a little wonky in some of the and on page eight. I don't know if it's almost like a minimalism type of art just in in shadows and you know throwing the coins i thought was a a nice little touch there but she looks uh, a little incomplete in some yeah. of the pages and uh i was wondering about this heracles guy like is he a metahuman because he seems abnormally big yeah. and strong they never really flesh it out and does he think he's Hercules or he- Heracles? Because he seems to go along with everything. Like, he never has that panel, like that sidebar of like, oh, Maxie's got me in this crazy getup, or he's got me dressed this weird way, or my name's not Heracles, it's Frank, or something like that. Well, he just goes I mean, along they, with it, kind they of. They say you know? he's big and stupid, and he basically just takes <laughs> orders. I mean, the fact that the fact that he does surrender and at the end with the cops instead of blindly trying to fight them all I says says a lot i think he's just like a big big dumb guy like yeah that's what it seems yeah well and then the other henchmen are kind of like always talking under their breath about maxi like okay here we go there was a couple panels of like all right this is what we're doing like come down off the sign you know maxi's got his thunderbolt and it's raining. It's like, hey, my my thunderbolt's getting a little damp. They're holding the umbrella over him. I forget, you know what what one of them says, but it's written really small, small print. Like they're talking underneath their breath. But yeah, you're right. He doesn't really have any dialogue at all here. And the so, coins are a nice touch because in Greek mythology, you need to pay the boatman mm-hmm. in Hades. The boatman is Charon to cross the river Styx. And in that Justice League Unlimited episode, this little piggy, Batman's got some ancient Greek coins, some drachmas in his <laughs> utility belt. And in the commentary, I forget who it is, but the one of the creators says, like, yep, he's even got Greek drachmas in that utility belt. So, <laughs> so I make that joke with the kids. I steal that joke uh, every time I show that episode. And I, I don't think they really get it. But it's still, <laughs> if you ever need a Greek drachma, Batman's got one, along with the <laughs> Kryptonite ring, yeah. That's right. <laughs> so Tim is able to get away from his captors, and it moves a little quick through here, but we get back to the car with, I about said uh, Stephanie, blonde hair is really throwing me, Ari, and I I feel like when I read this, I must have missed a page, because I've missed the scene where she puts his, like he's trying to kiss her, she gets the cans of soda, probably beer, and slaps him in the head with it, and then rolls up the window as he's reaching his head through it and gets his head and neck caught in the window, and she's storming off. So I read this twice, and I must have flipped 
through this as I was doing notes. So this page totally went went over my head. So uh, I thought this was cool that she she's a fighter. She did not like what was going on. And uh, what would you guys think of this scene just uh, art-wise? I thought uh, Fosco did a really good job. And the, again, we were talking about colors. The colors are really nice on these two pages. Terrence. Delicate balancing act because this is still a comic code authority approved comic and it is still 1996 where comics are thought of as kids and it is a the Robin title which is probably skewered towards a, a bit of a younger audience than say your you know your detective comics or your Deathstroke the Terminator or Vertigo line. Yeah, at the same point, Dixon wants to take this issue of like date rape and um, very seriously. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and obviously this is something he's going to explore later on in the run, specifically issue 40 when Ari tells Tim about this night. So yeah, like you, I thought, how did he get his head stuck in the window here? But you know, (laughs) I, not everything has to be shown in specific detail. And I think that, kind of adds an element of comedy and levity to it to to walk that tightrope of seriousness so you know it's it's done really well i think right yeah i mean she it in my opinion it looks like she clocks him on the head with the beer cans and it you know it pushes his head through the window and then she pushes the window up you know yeah. and uh, earlier you were saying like well what exactly happened in the car i think this page kind of says it all and it's one of those instances where not seeing exactly what happened is probably more effective than being right. explicit about it so yeah and i agree the the colors really jump out here really well done we've got a big greek theme going through here i got a half wonder did anybody eye roll when the security guard her name is helen so where Tim was like, of course your name is helen of troy the troy bank or the armored uh armored car security system so i thought it was renee montoya's night job at first but (laughs) (laughs) she's not getting enough of the gcpd she's got to be a security guard but doesn't want them to know so she goes by her her middle name of helen oh this is renee's less successful sister Sister. you know (laughs) helen montoya she failed out of the police academy but renee made it yeah I think it's cool that Dixon writes Tim that he's smart enough to know that he always can't count on his luck when he comes up to bigger foes like the KG Beast and uh, in Bane that he's got to be smarter because he tried you know kicking the guy once and that didn't work out but getting the jump on him and being able at least to knock him over like we were talking I think uh, uh, Ryan had said it by the time the security door opens up there's all the GCPD and Tim's at the at the top of it. Uh, so what did you guys think of Tim being able to, to use his brain and then being able to finally get back home and head back to Ari before we get our next quasi-cliffhanger? Yeah, this is a good zone for Tim Drake. I know later on in the Jeff Johns run and even with James Tinian the fourth, Tim is like the smartest guy who ever lived and a super genius. Here, you know, I feel like he's above average intelligence he's a smart guy but he's not super genius has everything figured out yeah. 12 he's, steps he's, ahead he's still scrappy yeah which to he, me that was kind of one of the biggest things i had to get over when when i started reading the the tie and run of detective where it's like where did this whole like tim drake is a super boy genius thing i'm like where did that come from and to learn that it was kind of a 
thing, more of a thing from the Jeff Johns Teen Titans type stuff. I was like, oh, okay, well, they're just kind of melding it in two. And I mean, the whole boy genius and best detective other than Batman thing don't always mean the same thing to me. What's fun is that he grows into that role in in this series. So by the time he gets to the end of the series, he and in the Red Robin series in particular, he's definitely much more, even more in, independent and and a, capable of, of being a, de- a detective on top of being a superhero. Well, that's a nice thing too. With this, we're still in the early. Where exactly. We just hit you know issue thirty. Like Tim is still still getting his footing. And I, I don't expect him to be, like you said, uh, the, the Superboy genius that Tim's got to figure out. No, this guy's probably 6'2", 350 pounds. Like I, he's going to crush my skull, and i gotta, I got to work smarter. I can't go toe-to-toe like, like Batman can. So as quickly as girls cut their hair, they will color their hair. And wouldn't you know it, Ari is back to being brunette. And we've got Maxi Zeus back in the newly remodeled Arkham Asylum. So what did you guys think of the conclusion of this? And then uh, I guess the, the last tag on would be Fosco. This are his only two Robin issues. And he will go on to do like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles stuff. But he's really kind of tapered off in the mid 2000s. He's active, but not overly active. So we only got two issues to really kind of look at his art and kind of reflect on it as as quick as it is. So final thoughts in the ending. Let's start with Ryan on this one. I mean, I I liked it. It's it's definitely both of these issues are such a a good couple of issues that you can you can read out of continuity. You can read these could this could take place anywhere. You know, you don't have to read a whole bunch of other crossovers or whatever to get into this. And it's not a super a-list villain, but it's a fun villain, and there's a lot of cool character stuff for Tim Drake in this. It's just really well written and, and just a whole lot of fun. So it's just uh, it was actually just a blast to just jump in and read a couple of Robin issues, and that's that's the best thing I can say about these is like low bar of of entry. You just like open up DC Universe, read Robin twenty nine thirty, have a good time with it. It's like a it's like a good episode of the animated series, you know. Terrence. I'm going to go to issue 35 to the letter columns about this. And <laughs> the issue column is Round Robin. There was a letter Ooh. from a guy named Bob. What is it with these Rob and Bob guys? Because <laughs> he's got a very similar attitude to you, Rob, here you'll see. who Bob um, M- Bob Myers. <laughs> Bob, Hello, Robin. Bob, Bob Ryers. <laughs> Bob Kowalski from De- Detroit, Michigan. <laughs> but he says, I'm just going to paraphrase, but he says it's kind of interesting that the underworld, like Maxi Zeus, knew about Oracle and that he thought that Oracle's security would be better. And uh, I think that's kind of cool that, like, at this point in the story arcs, like, the underworld is hearing rumors about the Oracle and finding out and what, is, what exactly is she. I think that's kind of cool. The ending with Ariana's hair going back to normal is fine, and it'd be a little confusing with Stephanie Brown, who's the blonde hair, <laughs> yeah, you know. And Maxie's used the, the line about, what is it, Xanax be, isn't a god. Maxie, it's a drug. That was pretty <laughs> yeah, funny, yeah. you know. Bob Kowalski writes in here, so this is issue 35, Glad Oracle had a hand in taking down Maxie and company. I'd like to see her assist again in this and your other DC titles. Her infrequent teamings with Black Canary, which I also like, aren't enough to sate my thirst for Oracle escapades. The next paragraph, he says, as for Ariana, I'm glad she went back to her original look. Okay, Jake was a jerk, but he does have a point. 
quote, you dye your hair, you start wearing hot-looking clothes. If you don't want guys to get the message, quit sending the signals. Oh, boy. Yeah. So then Gorf took him to task and said, my wife, the social worker, Amy, would would take great umbrage at your blame the victim stance. <laughs> so wow. he does, he's basically yeah. parroting what I'm a the jerk. He, he's parroting what the jerk said in the book. <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah. I took the signals. This is what you get. I know what you want. Like, whew. I said it was a Brad Pitt movie. Come on, you know what that means. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Brad Pitt and blonde hair. Like, yeah. It's it's third base and I ain't talking about the band either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so before I put my foot in my mouth anymore for this episode, this is probably where we need to get out of this show before, you know, the uh, the plague comes back. Gee, I hope it doesn't happen really quick. Oh, it's going to. So uh, this is where we're going to end uh, this episode. On the behalf of Terrence and Ryan, who's in his hot box, we got to get him out of here, folks. I'm Rob. and <laughs> yeah, you've we, we should have done a Mr. Freeze story for Ryan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. You've been listening to the BatmanUniverse.net. And more importantly, you've been listening to Robin. Everyone loves a Drake. We'll see you in a few weeks. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake podcast. This has been brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net. Tim Drake, Robin, and all Batman-related characters are under copyright of DC Comics. This podcast is solely for entertainment purposes, so no infringement is intended by this show. This show is not a good revenue stream. Actually, there's not a stream at all. All music and sound clips are under copyright by their respected copyright holders. So there should be no need to send the Penguins lawyers after us for ill-gotten gains because there are none. You can get a hold of the show a few different ways. We are on Twitter at ELTD Podcast. You can also email in at RobinELTDPodcast at Yahoo.com. Our Facebook page can be found at www.facebook.com slash everyone loves the Drake. And as always, you can message directly over at the BatmanUniverse.net. So email, tweet, or message us. We'd love to hear from you. And we'll read your comments or responses on the show. The show you're listening to can be found a few different ways through iTunes and Windows Media. Also, over at our host, TBU. Leave us a review on iTunes if you listen there. It'll help spread the word of the show. Make sure you head over to the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. Thanks for listening to the show and hearing why everyone loves the Drake. We'll see you in a few weeks. Take care.